Hello friends, welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. In this episode of Shop Talk, Mike and I talk about play. We talk about what play is, why it's important, how it can be used to solve complex problems, and we unpack the ways that play contributes to physical, cognitive, and social development in children. It's a really interesting topic, and the reality is that as we get older, we seem to play less and less. So hopefully this episode inspires you to incorporate more play in your life. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by TFC App, which officially launched at the start of November. Why did we create TFC App? Because in a world of information, there's a lot of noise and crappy advice floating around on the internet. We wanted to create a free platform accessible to anyone that delivers high-quality, science-based health education content. All the content is curated and created by our global tribe of health nerds, and we make our content guidelines visible to everyone so you know exactly what we use to guide our decisions on whether content is to be excluded or included in the app. Head to your Apple or Google app stores uh, and search for The Foot Collective, and you can download the app and start understanding your way out of injuries. We're constantly working to fix the little bugs. Um, there's especially a lot of issues uh, with Android, but we're working on it. Um, Apple has about seven software platforms. Android's got like over 17,000, so it's a little bit trickier platform to work with. But, um, you know, we have a small development team right now, but we're constantly working on it, and we appreciate your patience as we continue to evolve the app. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by the Roasters Pack. Our team at TFC Head Office are big fans of coffee before 11 a.m., and this Canadian company provides a unique subscription service that delivers you three great coffees to your door each month and also gives you the story behind each of the craft roasters that they come from. You can check out theroasterspack.com and use the code FOOT at checkout, and you'll get 7 bucks off your first month of any subscription, which starts at $27 a month Canadian all-in, including shipping and taxes, so it's less than a buck a cup. It's a great deal. This episode is also sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear to and from our seminars and workshops. They make super high quality, professional grade hard cases in Canada, and they, the cases can act to keep your electronics safe when you travel. So check out their cases at nanuk.com. That's it for sponsors, so let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet or the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hello folks, Nick and Mike here, back for another episode of Shop Talk. And today's episode is gonna be play. Uh, a lot of the inspiration uh, for this episode came from Todd Hargrove's book called Playing With Movement. So if you wanna nerd out on play, I would recommend grabbing that one. It's an awesome read uh, and it's now listed in TFC app. Um, so I think, Play is something we've all heard of and could probably recognize if we saw kids or animals engaging in it. Um, but today we want to unpack the topic because play really is an amazing tool to use when looking to solve movement problems. And I think it's something that we've kind of lost touch with in terms of actually understanding it. And especially adults, we just don't play anymore. Um, and I want to start with a, a good quote by George Bernard Shaw, who was an Irish playwright. And he basically, his quote was, we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. And I think that hopefully by the end of this episode, that'll be a little bit more profound after you kind of understand play. So maybe a good place to start is like, what is play, right? It's like four letters. People kind of know how to recognize it, but I don't think they understand what it actually is. And so, um, yeah, let's start there. Yeah, so we're going to get into like basically deep on why play is so fundamental for development. And I think the first definition that, that I that I found on it is engaging in activity for enjoyment and recreation rather than a serious or practical purpose. 
And I think there's some flaws with that definition based on all the science we're going to go over on what play actually is. Well, the practical part, like you said. The practical part, I would probably argue against that because what play research is showing is that it's it's literally how we develop our, our brains and our uh, our social skills cognitive skills movement skills and all of that which we'll get into later but I think that part of that is is true and it's engaging in activity for intrinsic enjoyment so it's just it's in doing stuff that you enjoy um, rather than for and again you could argue what serious means mm-hmm. um, play can be quote unquote serious, but it's not serious as in life or death, or I'm going to try to harm you or, or yeah. hurt you or kill you. Yeah, it's not um, a fight. It's not, but it can be like serious and that it's not just giggling around and running around. It can be like yeah. actually um, physically demanding, engaging, and it can have elements and should have elements of, of risk, which which we'll get into later as well. Yeah. And a, and a definition that I saw too was an activity engaged in enjoyment and recreation, especially by children. So even in the definition, uh, when I looked that up on Google, it's like we even know, we freely admit that it's mostly children who do this, but I think what we don't understand is that there is massive benefit to be garnered as adults. I think how we frame play as adults just needs to take on a different meaning. So hopefully we can convey that because play is like this, it's a magical tool to solve complex problems, right? It's this natural behavior that evolved throughout time um that holds true across like all the animal kingdom like all animals play um and it's it's really was there to help us solve complex problems whether that was a movement problem or a cognitive problem whatever it might be um you know animals develop skill and physical fitness through play not by working out right like (laughs) and humans seem to have lost the ability and have shifted over to work instead of play and at the end we'll talk about the work play continuum and and kind of what that means yeah, so I think play is inter- inexorably linked to environment, right? So when we're born, based on what you can do with your body, it allows you to do more things in your environment. So, um, and we'll get into how that is very linked to movement, but I think it's just f- fundamental in play is is the um, is the want to explore the environment uh, and the pursuit of uh, like just being very curious about manipulating the environment mm-hmm. and learning what to do through the environment and um, and again it gets into problem solving and all that but it's it's very interesting in that the environment determines how we play and and that is linked to whether you know things like are we getting outdoors as much as we used to um, what environments are we putting kids in are we are we put them in a sedentary environment so back to like behavior. Um, play behavior is really linked to the environment that kids are, um, are in and around. Right. So, so that's really fundamental. And if we look at any other species, like you said, they, their, their environment is the natural environment. They're not in a built environment. So they do things that, that are very natural, like jump and and run and and fight and play fight and all of that, um, which is, which are very natural to humans as well. But I think we've lost some of that. Well, I think someone said the other day, we were talking about the education system in schools and how, you know, I think everyone knows the way we're getting kids to learn in school is a really silly way of doing things. It just doesn't match well with how kids learn optimally, learn information yeah. or how they get stimulated. Um, and one person said, like, literally the school system we use now was engineered to like in the industrial era to make kids essentially robots, right? To turn them into little machines that absorb information listen and do what they're told but not really have much expression of being able to be creative right and i think that you see that today where like portables or or these bland classrooms that are indoors that are 
engineered fully around sedentary behavior that have no ability to let kids creatively express movement or, or um, you know, interact with any kind of sort of element Natural, of the environment, right? Like there's yeah. no, there's no, it doesn't look like a playroom anymore. It looks like a classroom. And I think that's taken away. You, we've literally just robbed kids away. Um, we've robbed from kids the ability for them to interact in the environment in a creative way because we've essentially bore chopped down all creative expression in the environment exactly i think so play is a fundamental way of that humans develop and if we focus on humans now it's it's literally how we develop both all both motor um cognitive problem solving skills social skills emotional skills yeah learning about our internal body our external body our environment how the world works it's basically how a means to learn about all of that and maybe we should start breaking those down um, and, and talking about that because I think it's even from a movement standpoint, um, the drive to manipulate things in the environment allows us to to learn how to move. And, and that's if you look at developmental kinesiology and how we actually learn to move, it starts with us not even being able to move. Right. And, yeah. Um, and then blobs. it But the whole drive to move comes from this curiosity about the environment and the drive to manipulate things and do things. To the point where I was looking at this this one study that actually linked um, it, it linked all this together. It's called the development of motor behavior by Adolf and Franchak, and and basically it linked how play is so connected to how we actually learn how to move and thrive as humans. Um, the the one of the examples, and there was many they used, is just sitting postures. We learn how to once we learn how to figure out how to sit upright without the use of our hands. Now we can free up our hands and we can do stuff with our hands. Yeah. And the drive to do that is often to play, to, to actually manipulate things and do things because we see other people doing things with our hands. So literally play kind of drives posture even. Posture drives play. It's kind of all connected. Hmm. Um, the, then it's about like playing with others and locomoting. We learn to locomote so we can actually play the game, right? So we can walk around and do things that so we, we see others doing. interact with other humans. It's, again, it's so connected. Movement and play really drives us because we see other people doing it and, and we learn how to do it through trial and error. And then you can look at it from different angles. It's like the actual development of movement in and of itself is through playing with different strategies. So yeah. we're playing with trial and error. Um, oh, if I stand this way, I fall over. If I start to do it this way. Um, so we're, we're essentially defining, you could define that as play too. We're, we're playing with how we learn. So playing is really connected with just learning in general. Yeah. It's how, cause, cause no one teaches you like, um, Dan. So my brother just had, um, uh, a baby boy and he's, growing up now and just watching him move is one of the most like it's so entertaining to watch babies move and learn and now he's at the point where he can hold himself up he has the core integrity to hold himself up posturally and he can use his hands and he's just grabbing everything yeah. like the other day he's just starting to eat with a spoon he's starting to manipulate and articulate a spoon he he's, doesn't know what he's, he's doing he's already eating with a spoon yeah which is How i think he's, he's doing it very early too well, because, yeah, that is that is very... But he's, like, it's funny because he'll grab a spoon, he'll hold it upside down, he'll hold it one way, and he'll try and get it in his mouth, but he'll smack his cheek, then he'll smack his forehead, and, it, like, his food the other day, <laughs> he was wearing a mask of food the other day, it was hilarious. So that's called the radial grip. But he's learning how. Yeah. And he's doing it playfully. He's like, oh, that hit my cheek. That was not a good pattern. I'm going to try this. Oh, that hit my head. Oh, that got right in my mouth. Perfect. And he's almost like, you see him through trial and error hundreds of hundreds of times 
figure out the best way to do this. You know, the movement problem that he's trying to solve is get the spoon in my mouth so I can eat this food. Yeah. And his problem solving is essentially this. He's playing with the with his coordination. Yeah. And he's figuring out and solving problems through play. No one's teaching him how to do it. And that's interesting because that is actually one of the studies I found is the development of problem solving in young children. It was a, a critical cognitive skill and they, they linked movement as a way to develop problem solving. So again, it all comes back to movement, but learning how to use a spoon and they do a lot of tool studies in developmental psychology and, hmm. um, and, and they'll give kids of certain ages tools and they'll say, what does this kid do with it? And what they found is like less than one year old um, is when they start figuring stuff out and they're like, what should, and actually that's called, it's interesting that you say that, that he kind of grabs it. Like uh, he probably uses like a, uh, like a gross strategy as opposed yeah. to like a it's fine like motor a full strategy. mitt grip mm. of this like very delicate object. So they, exactly. So they, they've actually linked, I don't know what the exact age was, but in this study they showed like at a certain age, they learn how to uh, use the fine motor skills and it's called like a radial grip to you, hmm. to use the spoon. So they can actually refine that, that strategy. Yeah, no, it was um, like caveman style, just whole hand yeah. gripping. But they'll give to kids other objects and different tools and they'll see what do they do with them. And I think what the, what the scientists in this study were their conclusion was that the drive of of curiosity like we've talked about mm -hmm. so far curiosity and the need to explore is the drive that allows kids to just keep tinkering until they can find a use for whatever that tool might be and then and then what that is is that starts to form the basis of of actual problem solving schemas of like mm -hmm. that you can apply thereafter in any given situation so like that's literally how we develop problem solving is through play and and um I think that's something that we we don't think of play as as, as that deep. We think of it as just like fun and games and all of that. But it's like, no, this is how we learn about how the world works. Mm -hmm. And like, and I think even problem solving physically, like trying to work to run a marathon, is a problem. Is a pro yeah. is a movement problem you're trying to solve. Building more muscle, um, you know, improving your balance. These are all physical problems that I, I don't think people think of them as physical problems but if you incorporate play to help solve these problems uh it can be extremely powerful mm -hmm. right and like when i was watching him i was just it just made me think that like babies are little creative geniuses when it comes to they're basically movement scientists they do trial and error they get they they have all this data in their brain and they're essentially weeding out the bad stuff the the poor strategies and hitting control save on the good strategies. And I That's think it. if the average person just be was more of a curious, creative movement scientist of experimenting, it would really change their ability to, to feel in control of what's happening. Like if they get knee, knee pain is a physical problem. Yeah. To solve that problem, if people just took the mindset of trial and error and, and creatively tinkering with it, it would be so much better than them saying, tell me how many sets, how many reps, and the exact kind of movement I need to do to get this better. That's right. And the exact type it's of bad movement. mindset. The exact type of movement because there is no, there's there's more efficient strategies and there's less efficient strategies like you like you said. And actually, what what the science of 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 this says is that motor errors are just as important, if not more important, than um, successful some successful yeah motor strategies. I mean, successful motor strategies tell you to oh repeat that and then mm -hmm. motor errors tell you to well don't repeat that um but that's how we it's just errors and and learning from errors so again learning from mistakes it's just this is just the the fundamental building blocks of of cognition too it's not just limited to movement because we can use these same these same um schemas for how to 
solve uh, cognitive problems, not just movement problems. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, if you never know that you have to try things and try things and try things and tinker and things like that, kids that are allowed to do this develop that they, they literally work that muscle of trial and error and problem solving, mm -hmm. which can apply, be applied to other things. And, and, um, reframing failure too like if you're never allowed to creatively play because part of play is failing right mm -hmm. is physically it might mean getting injured um in terms of a cognitive problem it might mean not obtaining the solution the whatever solution you're trying to achieve but if you're never allowed to fail then you lose the ability to develop like self-esteem and self-confidence in in being able to push through a failure right yeah. and i think that's a very important lesson where if you do not let your kids fail you are not letting them learn that important lesson in life which goes for the rest of their life right like the 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 whatever the years that you have as a child create and what i'm learning more now than ever is that they create a lot of these ingrained behaviors that essentially get brought over into every other realm of life as you grow as an adult okay so Let's talk about the caregiver dynamic then, because that tr tr fundamentally affects that, right? Because um, the if you're if you're in an environment, but also around caregivers that that are dismissive of play, or that um, what we see now is that everything now is being bubble wrapped, and and we're becoming very fearful of natural play. Mm -hmm. um, so, what influence does that have on? Um, kids natural development of these things these things like problem solving and um just being persistent like you say just being persistent with something or, or taking risks and the importance of risky play but i think that's just being like taken from us yeah. from uh and i and like you say i don't think that a lot of parents now are uh are aware of the the impact that they're having at such a young because these first primary years are are there this is where develop play is a fundamental means of development and development is being stunted if we are messing with the natural play so and we are messing with natural play so therefore we're stunting development in our kids yeah. or we're setting them up for these strategies that show up later in life the person who never wants to take any risks because they were told to never even in a physical manner so that that feeds over to other areas in their life they're never taking risks they're never doing anything that is um, somewhat dangerous or that's testing their limits even yeah. in a natural way so well like even an in-context example if you look at two kids and they're roughhousing right they're mm -hmm. wrestling or whatever and the parents say oh you can't roughhouse don't wrestle with each other the parents think that they're protecting the kids from possibly hurting each other yeah but what they fail to realize is that kids roughhousing is how they discover how to interact physically with other children so yes. the kid that's never allowed to roughhouse and play uh, you know, wrestle or whatever with other kids is usually the kid that hurts another kid at some point, not because he's trying to, because he has no idea what his limits are and what the limits are in physical play, right? He doesn't so know that punching another kid in the head mm -hmm. is not good because he's never actually been able to learn that through physical interaction. It, and it's physical, exactly. I would say it's like physical, it's everything. It's physical, social, even social. Like, you know True. that when you're when you're playing with, whether it's wrestling, let's say it is wrestling, like if I know I can like, pound somebody it's just basically like you see this in in martial arts with adults too if a black belt goes up against a white belt the, the black belt fundamentally knows that he can he could put this person to sleep if he wanted to but mm -hmm. he's gonna still spar with this white belt because he and he's just gonna he's it's gonna be a game right it's gonna test the white belt's limits but he, he he's not gonna choke him out exactly so kids learn that too is like even if you're bigger and stronger than your friend and you're fighting there's there's something to be learned about like well it's not about 
putting this person to the ground every time because yeah. that's gonna, not play. No. And then the person's going to want to stop playing with me and I'm going to have no friends anymore. So exactly. it's like <laughs> you have to learn how to like interact with kids through play and through expression of like force. And it same goes for games, too. If, if you're the best at like and you just crush everybody right away, it's like no one's want to play with you. Exactly. So you have to learn how to um, give blends and physical and and like emotional and social. That's for that's sure. Very interesting. Why don't we go through the elements of play? So Hardgrove does a really good job at outlining um, certain features and elements of play. So let's list them and then go through them a little bit more. We talked about like one of them is risk. So we'll talk about that at the end and unpack it a bit. But the first one he talks about is play is intrinsically motivating. So it's done for the pleasure of doing the act and not for some external reward or ulterior purpose. So the, the, the act itself is rewarding. Yeah. And I think that's something where, you know, um, contrast that to work, right? Someone will go to the gym and go on the treadmill for one hour for the sake of not getting fat. So mm. they're doing the treadmill work, which is not fun or enjoyable to do for most people. Um, for the ulterior motive or the external goal of I'm doing this chore to not get fat. It's it's mm -hmm. whereas someone that goes plays on a slack line, for example, when you go slacklining, you're not doing you're not slacklining to be a better snowboarder. Slacklining might make you a better snowboarder, but very few people slackline because slacklining and doing some sort of challenging balance act, um, balance activity that put that can put you in the present and get you in flow state is intrinsically rewarding. It is enjoy it is enjoyable to go on the slackline, not for the sake of getting some other thing. It's actually enjoyable itself. Yeah. So intrinsically motivating is very powerful. And you could say that, like for me. I find it enjoyable to go out on a, on a walk and uh, even if it's a shorter walk, much more than I would find do, walking the same distance and time on a, on a treadmill. Yeah. And, the, and that's because I found it's a much a way more to rich experience to go outside and go for a walk. Enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so I, you could say that like with all of play when and kids just know this, like it's just fun to you learn who to who you like playing with too. Cause you, yeah. I think that's how you make friends do. It's like you learn, Oh, this person's fun to play with. And you, you just thinking back to like all my childhood friends and like, why <laughs> did true. I hang out with certain friends? Cause they're, we just happened to like, like doing similar shit. And we just, uh, we play, you know, it was good to play with somebody. You literally, yeah. your parents it was enjoyable would, to play with this person. Yeah. Your parents yeah. would invite them over to play and, and you just find things that were really fun to do at the time. And then you'd switch over to other things, but it was always about doing things because they were like, deeply rewarding and sa or satisfying you could say yeah um, and they satisfied some need and, and and i think that's a huge part of like i don't think many of us as adults have these things that that actually satisfy our needs in these in these ways that we that we played as kids mm -hmm. because it's just fun for for that reason um and fun is like again it's it's like it doesn't have it's not laughing it's not it, it's just it, it's interesting it's intriguing it's it's um it, it just makes you focus and it, it grabs your attention it's enjoyable and it's, it brings you joy yeah right because it can be it can have laughing yeah or it can be serious but either way it's enjoyable it's like you want to do it there's some yeah. sort of and some people might find it very abstract or difficult to nail down like i don't know why i love doing it i just something mm -hmm. about this makes me want to do it more because you know whether it's uh, a challenge that you like every challenge that you face and that you um essentially succeed at is this very small boost of confidence that gives you this it's like this um intrinsic mechanism that nature rewards us with when you solve a problem in order to reinforce the behavior or the way that you solve that problem you get this little chemical reward that says boom 
you like you get good feelings from it. Yeah. Um, the next one is that play involves minimal stress. So, you know, play essentially never compromises movement health. And, you know, if a baby's not feeling good or if a kid's feeling, if, if they're not feeling very good, they won't be playing. They'll be okay. recovering. So it never inhibits recovery. Whereas, you know, adults, you know, if someone that goes for a run or lifts weights um, or does CrossFit and is doing it through pain, that's a good indication that that's not play, that that's work. So, yeah. you know, it, it involves minimal stress and never compromises um, movement health. So that was another feature of play, which I found interesting. Uh, another one, play is exploratory. So it's unstructured with minimal directions and guidelines. And I think that's a very crucial element of play because if you're just told what to do, exactly how to do it, you have no creative freedom to express and 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 explore, right? I think that's why the importance of not just, I think team sports are great for on one end of the spectrum. And then I also think that um, individual sports are, are just as valuable in, mm -hmm. in terms of allowing more. I, I always kind of liked individual sports a bit better. Yeah, like I was a skateboarder, snowboarding, all, all of these things, even just like uh, my strength training, because it's just like it allows you to express um, this like by yourself type yeah. of thing. Um, I also played a lot of hockey growing up, and I, I see that I learned a lot from like team skills, camaraderie, um, social skills, and all of that too. So I think both are important. But if we just go so hard on just one or just the other, I think we're missing some some sort of element of, of that. Yeah, and I think I I think we've kind of done a disservice to sports. I think, mm -hmm. right? Like now, like kids, there's very, there's way fewer multi-sport athletes, right? Like kids aren't playing as many sports in general. They're specializing much earlier. They're taking sports much more seriously at an early age, which I think starts to bring it away from play and more towards work, right? If the more competitive you make it, sports can be, play can be competitive. But if that's, if that emphasis on competition or winning overtakes the desire to actually enjoy what you're doing or, or the, the enjoyment you get out of playing that sport, um, then I think we're doing a disservice to kids. And, and, you know, not only are we over specializing them and essentially ruining their movement patterns by creating them good specific sport athletes, but we're taking away the play element of sports by just taking taking them too seriously at an early age. Yeah. And play is where the learning and development happens. So if we if we say if we're taking play out of it, we're we're actually taking the learning and development out of it too. Right. And that's where um you, you see that in different styles of you know, if you even in like hockey, there's different schools of thought of whether you should do more like drills or more mm -hmm. um yeah, like it, it's it's well, like Gretzky played everything. Peyton yeah. Manning played everything. The and best soccer spend, players played everything. And guess what? They spend a lot of time on their own. You see that the best, uh, they'll, they're the ones on the outdoor rinks. And that's like by themselves, yeah. shooting pucks, hitting targets, doing weird stuff with nobody else around, as opposed to just being in practice, being playing. told what to do. Playing it's with the playing skills. With, and you could still play in the sport, but you're playing with other things. And you you probably saw that on the nights too. Some of the best guys are like very creative with the, the shit that they could do like outside of the actual yeah. sport was Marner. like... No, exactly. He used to always mess around with stick handling and do like repetitive patterns, but do them slightly differently. And you, you, you see it a level of, I think in the people that are really good in Excel, you see a level of obsession where the tiniest skills are basically extracted out and turned into a game mm -hmm. or turned into play. You see them using play to essentially fine tune a like, like a tiny micro skill that might only come up. You might only see that skill appear like once in 10 games for like a split second. But when he does that skill, People just think that he can just do it, but he's played around with that and refined it and perfected it with a level of obsession that separates him from a lot of other players. And look what the hockey players all do in their warm-ups. They, they, 
a lot of them will, will juggle. Yeah. A yeah, lot of them will, always do that. Yeah. It's a warm up, but it's also playful and it's just interactive and all of that. And it's just waking up motor. It's doing all the things we've already talked about, waking up motor skills and yep. getting you prepared. So another element is that create, uh, so exploratory allows people to kind of explore different options. And it kind of ties tightly to the next one, which is that play is creative. Um, you know, I think that's almost the opposite of what we now believe to be physical fitness, which is very regimented. So creative yeah. versus regimented. And, um, you know, instead of sets, reps, specific form, um, having creative freedom gives you options, right? It like stimulates novel movement patterns and mental pathways where you're able, you're able to explore. And this is something that like adults have lost creativity. We have, you know we've beaten creativity out of adults. For it's sure. Very weird. What bothers me a lot um, is that you'll see it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. You'll, you'll see people on like Instagram saying like, as soon as somebody posts something like creative with movement, they'll be like, stick to the basics. The basics work. Right. And it's like, just, you know, to squat or, and it's like, well, but this is the whole element of like play is like learning how to move differently and, yeah. and exploring being creative and doing it because you like to do it. How about that? Mm -hmm. Like, what if I don't like just doing like straight squats every day? How about I, how about that? How yeah. about I like doing other stuff? Yeah. Exactly. So then, it's like How about stick I find to the just basics. Doing the basics boring. work. What do they work for? They work for doing something, but they don't work for doing other things. And I'm looking at things that I'm looking at things that work for other things too, not just the one thing that you think it works for. Mm -hmm. So I think we're very narrow-minded in terms of like, um, and people get I think very um, uneasy when it when they see things that might be out of the box a little bit because they're like, oh, that doesn't look like things that I'm used to doing, yeah, or it doesn't look like things that I'm comfortable with doing, yeah. So they and go tribal, them, and then they go, well, stick to the basics, and yeah. it's like, well, you can stick to the basics if you want, but here's why I'm not sticking to the basics. So, and it's for other reasons. Yeah, you want to know the most important thing with physical training? It's not sets, it's not reps, it's not even what movement you do. It's the enjoyment you get out of exactly. doing it because that's what determines whether you actually do it or not. Because like, look at like, for instance, let's use cardio for an example, quick example, like I could just put myself on a straight up exercise bike and go just to say, just stick to the bit, like stick to the basics, yeah, go hard go on, ham this, on this bike, <laughs> or I can go hiking and I can go doing different things and, or I can go uh, trail running or whatever I want to do. Go on a mountain bike. I could do, on a hill. I could do it. Still cycling. I could do 10 different things that accomplish the same cardio. But they also get all these other things. So yeah. sticking to the basics is not necessarily all it's about. And we're not saying that you like, yes, people should be competent in the basics. You for should sure. be able to squat. But if squatting doesn't bring you joy, for some people it does. And yeah. good. Those people should squat. I find different exactly. ways to squat. But I think or, or like, you can do both. Yeah, I, I think people have a trouble thinking. <laughs> they, they have trouble thinking in black and white. They they think in black and white. They have th trouble thinking in gray. It's like yeah. no, also do the, and that's what I like. I like to show people like even my physical practice. No, no, I do the basics. I like I just like straight up deadlift, squat, but I also do this stuff. You don't have people again tribal. No, you have to like. There's the powerlifting community. There's the you know so and so community, and mm -hmm. they just do their thing, and then they criticize other people when they're doing other things. But the best people in those worlds respect and enjoy all the other stuff exactly too. like yeah. the, some of the best uh like really good powerlifters will also like be like oh i'm gonna try some Edo portal stuff you know like For and sure. getting out of that comfort zone funny because going outside of their bubble makes them way better inside their bubble for sure. But people just think that it's like mutually exclusive where, oh, if I do this, then I'm going to do this shittier. It's like, well, what if by doing this, you, you, it gave you a different enlightenment and different perspective when it, when it came to doing your actual lifts, right? Like what if playing around Even with dance or, um, like just creative movement or balance, balance skills 
actually made your deadlift better because it allowed you to think in a different way about it. But what if it helped you recover better? Exactly. True. So I think there's like play can be used and, and injected into even uh, like high level sports to just get outside of the regimented routine. Some people just like, do you ever get those patients that will only accept being told what to do? Mm-hmm. Where like you'll say, okay, well, try it this way or see, you know, what way feels best. Try like try different things. Try three or four different ways of doing this press. And then they just kind of stare at you and they're like, I have no idea what that means. They've just, they've literally had creativity removed from their spectrum of like capabilities, yeah. right? And they're like, no, I just want you to tell me how to do it. Like what, like is this the right the position? And yeah. And, and, it's like, and I think that the, this like framework of them thinking there's only one specific way to do this optimally sometimes feeds into the pain they have because if they don't feel like they're doing it perfectly, they feel like it could be doing something wrong. When in exactly. reality, you know, this brings us to the next point, which is tinkering. Play involves tinkering. It's solving problems through trial and error and playing with variables in this kind of semi-random manner. So yeah. it's just like, you know, whereas work on the other hand, and it's funny because a lot of these elements of play can be contrasted to work. Um, but work on the other hand relies on precise planning, which kills creativity. So tinkering, trying things in a semi-random manner without the pressure of thinking, you know, I'll have to do it right. Or this is the only way to do it. It's like tinker with it, trial and error. Just try that puts stuff. you right into the present too. True. Cause it makes you have to think about what you're doing as you're doing it, as opposed to like, instead of being robotic, there was a classic study that it was, it was a group of adults, groups of adults were put up against groups of children um, and and they were given like I, I don't know the exact numbers, but like pieces of like uh, little pieces of wood and little things. And they were saying, "Let's see how high you can make this oh, structure." Yeah, yeah, I saw that study. So <laughs> that was a great um, one. <laughs> basically, the the kids ended up um, outperforming the the adults. In, and the adults were like CEOs. Or they something were like that. exactly. So what the kids did was went right into the present and started right away with with tinkering and and problem solving right away with doing like learning by doing, which is playing essentially with different things and strategies. And the adults, um, the adults went to like the clipboard and said, you know, like, okay, how do you think we can do this? And they spent all their time planning. And then the, the first rendition they put was like tended to be like their final rendition. Yeah. And then the kids along kids, did kids had already ones. exactly. So <laughs> then they outperformed them and they're like, how can they? And it was young kids. It was like I forget. It was, they were less than ten years old though and they're beating ceos in these this tower building contest so it shows you that the strategies they use um these natural strategies which is essentially they were just it was a game to them they were playing so that's what it is playing is learning yeah because the kids basically took the strategy of build learn build again learn build again where the ceos were like let's figure this out let's plan out how to build this best and then let's spend all the time trying to refine out little things based on this strict plan. Like they, yeah. they almost were so close-minded that they focused on a suboptimal. Uh, they focused on optimizing a suboptimal strategy, whereas kids, all they did was just tried a hundred different strategies. Yeah. So it was like creative versus like and just, open-mindedness. Yeah, yeah, that's so key. And then the last one, I think this one's really important. Um, more important than I think I realized initially is risk. And we talked about this a bit before, but mm-hmm. you know, play very frequently involves risk and not risk in the context of like potentially allowing for catastrophic injury, but risk in the context that it's used to explore limits. And in order to discover those limits, guess what? Sometimes you get hurt. And that's important. And that's important because that is essentially your data to say, okay, well, last time I got hurt doing this, so I shouldn't try that again until I've tried all these things to build back up to it. And getting hurt tells you about your 
your body and and at your place in the world and and how the world works like you're i think it's so important to to get hurt as a kid and getting hurt is just fail is failing yeah so, right but getting hurt could be the but where you, you learn from it you misstep fine. and fall on your face like i remember i tried to I, I tried to uh, jump a gap on my razor scooter when i was uh <laughs> <laughs> razor scooter when i was i don't know how old i was like 10 or 12 and i uh I, I just missed the end of the gap and I hit the lawn and I flew and, and landed on my face and scraped the whole front of my body up. Um, so I learned not to try to jump. I just, pictured you, <laughs> I just pictured you trying to jump on a razor. But uh, yeah, like it was important. And like looking back, it's like that was hilarious looking back on it. Yeah. Uh, it showed me that getting cut isn't bad and bleeding isn't bad. It showed me that like, okay, don't try that. Um, or maybe try smaller ones and build up to it. And it showed you that physical consequences exist. Yeah. Right. It, exactly. So I think it's really it just again it's and then it showed me like how i get over that and then the other things like ankle sprains and things like that just showed me oh how do i deal with an injury if i hurt myself what is the general schema of how this goes mm -hmm. and a lot of people who've never gotten hurt or never put expose themselves to physical risk or anything they don't have that schema and they might even go into adulthood and injure themselves for the first time and then it's like oh i don't i don't have a schema for what yeah. i do here i've never witnessed what this it goes before. on my body hurts now and this what's going on so if it happens uh, tens or, or, or hundreds of times in childhood, it gives you a good idea of like, oh, yeah. this is going to be fine. We'll, we'll get through it. Here's what happened in the past 10 times. And mm -hmm. we're going to deal with it, even if it's a different type of injury here. Well, I think fear, like fe you see it with patients. I've seen it with patients. Fear is a major obstacle to movement freedom. Where people are literally scared of moving because yeah. of fear of pain or fear of injury. Um, or fear and, of what could happen, yeah. And by taking some risk during play, we learn to master fear. And every time you encounter a physical problem, you take some risk and you succeed, you successfully handle that risky situation, you essentially gain confidence with movement, right? You gain this mastery of fear. Um, and and expanding it outside of movement too you gain confidence sure. in general in everything self-esteemed yeah. in general but you know like i think anxiety is this constant fear whether it's like of irrational thoughts or um if you're about to do some sort of movement challenge and you're really scared that can bring up anxiety and i feel like by never being allowed to take risks you essentially lose the immunity against anxiety yeah right like taking risks building confidence Sometimes getting hurt, but then knowing, okay, well, that's my limit, so I'm going to stay before that. Eliminating Seeing where the your fear, limits are, pushing right? your limits, right? Um, becoming overcoming challenges, becoming autonomous, um, and that's exactly what there be sh like. There's even a study that I found on that: the importance of outdoor play for young children's healthy development. And they actually were talking specifically about the importance of risky play, specifically outdoor risky play, hmm. climbing trees, jumping over gaps, things like this things that can introduce risk, promoting skills of persistence. These kids had better persistence, problem-solving skills. It, they even tracked it and, and uh, correlated it with uh, entrepreneurship um, and, and self-awareness as, hmm. as, as they grew up. Interesting. Self-awareness being that you just know more about yourself when you do stuff and challenge yourself because you've just have the data to, to, to make the, to, you know, to I, get this. Yeah. I wish you could watch a movie of, of all the successful entrepreneurs of like a movie of their life and the major life events that have shaped them to be the person that is not afraid to, to take risks, not afraid to fail as long as they learn from it. Like, I think that's, I really think that that whole general schema that shows itself later on in life based on what you do with your life comes from play um, comes from play and comes from when you're a kid and yeah. whether or not you're allowed to actually experience 
of the natural the natural way of playing and problem solving and getting hurt and failing like you let your kids climb trees they might break their legs yes but they're probably not going to if they're allowed to do it incrementally because they'll start with small trees and then later on in life they're not going to be scared to do something because they know how to kind of sequentially try challenging problems in a way that eliminates catastrophic problems but sometimes results in injury or failure and that's okay yeah. Um, and I think by depriving kids of that, you're depriving them of these crucial, crucial life schemas that carry over later in life into all different things, into their ability to, like we said, create a business or in order to try something that you might have been scared of, right? Like people that are never supported to try risky things, um, I think miss out on a lot of what life is about as a human being to live like an enjoyable, fulfilled life. So, um, I, so that's kind of, you know, those are the elements of play that Hargrove outlines. Minimal stress, intrinsically motivating, exploratory, creative, involves tinkering, and involves risk. And I think that he does a great job at outlining some very important elements. And that's, yeah. you know, play, those four letters, I never knew that play could be unpacked to such a deep level and, and be so meaningful. One other thing I want to note is that it continues on past these, like, early childhood years and into later childhood. And I found a, a systematic review of physical activity, um, and cognitive functioning in children. And and basically what they showed is that kids were, there's many different studies they compiled, but kids that were either involved in sports or regular physical activity, so it could have been a sport or a personal sport like martial arts or something mm -hmm. regular, um, their ability to focus attention was better. Um, their executive function was better when they tested it, better planning abilities, better visual, visual spatial memory, better cognitive flexibility and operational memory. Um, and it basically showed that all of these cognitive processes and the abilities to focus attention, learn, and all of this were better when kids were, first of all, active, second of all, involved in specific uh, sports or activities. Um, and it, it basically, so it's, it's intrinsically, it's, it's tied up in, in cognition, which a lot of people, I think, it's this weird mindset of we, we like to separate the two and we like to think there's like, you know, the, the jock mentality versus this. It's like, no, being involved in physicality is going to make you better at, at, uh, at thinking and, and pursuing even academic things in your yeah. life too. Um, so it's just... Our brains develop through movement. Like our movement cortex is a huge part of the brain. We are wired for movement and for, and for play, really. Yeah. Um, and if you, yeah, like if you don't play or don't move, as you're developing, you are not going to have the trickle over effects on all the other realms, whether that's um, social development, like, you know, we talked about talking about play for development. Well, we got the motor development, we have social development, and then cognitive development. Yeah. And those three things are like this trifecta that are completely intertwined with each other. You, And you're right, we have this really weird Cartesian concept where the mind is separate from the body. There's like this big wall in between the two and they're totally separate. When in reality, like that's complete crap. Exactly. Because if you are playing with something, let's say you're playing a, a specific game with somebody, you're lighting up these problem-solving centers in your brain. And what the, the brain is very... Um, it's it's plastic and it and it it's not just you getting better at a game it's you getting better at using the parts of the brain that are involved in problem solving that are also applicable to other things that solve yeah. problems so so it's it's like i think we need to think outside the box a little bit more and 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 it's like yeah you getting better at a specific movement skill is literally getting your brain better at doing other things too exactly and so and even something like creativity like um, if you're trying to solve a problem, so you have a problem with your business, there's a certain system that's not working or whatever it might be. Sometimes doing something creative where like, uh, like standing on a balance beam or doing, or juggling, 
you might stimulate the creative centers of your brain, which is being applied in the concept of in the realm of movement, right? With physical juggling. And then you might go back to that problem that you couldn't solve and have a totally different approach to it and solve it right away. Because the creative area of your brain just got lit up by some sort of movement activity, some yeah. form of play. And now that trickles Change over into solving a, um, you know, a complex problem in the world of business. Like these things happen all the time. We, the, I think it's part of the reason that we play so much because we find productive results from playing in yeah. other realms of our life. It's very powerful. Yeah, it's it's like you're you're just stacking the two things. Like you're, it's not just it's fun to play, but you're also helping with the other things in your yeah, life when they you do feed play. into each other. Yeah, and I think too many humans have just turned into robots because they're not given the opportunity to play or they're not given the opportunity to be creative in or their they work don't environment. Take them, uh, take it upon themselves to do it. Yeah, because you can play it at any age and any. It doesn't matter who you are. Just add some into your life. Well, we play at all the seminars now. Like I think play is becoming a bigger and bigger part of our seminars. And for next year's one day seminar, it's going to be a big part too. And one thing that I've noticed with people, like <clears throat> with all these play drills, we start the first round of like uh, the levels drill where people are partnered up. Everyone's very sheepish and everyone's kind of like kind of looking around, making sure they're not doing anything too out there and crazy. And then you start getting people kind of loosening up and being more comfortable, not being scared of being judged and starting to tap into a little bit more creativity of, of like what it felt like to be a kid. And by the end, people are doing fun stuff. They're laughing, they're smiling, and they're not afraid of what other people are going to think about them. And I think how you play says a lot about you, right? You look at some, I look at some people in the seminars, especially they're well, all adults. When you get a kid and um, a younger kid coming to the seminar, someone brings their um, their like ten year old or something like that. The play sessions automatically go up like five levels because everyone just sees the kid playing and starts to be like, "Oh wow, I'm just going to do it like that." Exactly. But you see people, you know, you see people's confidence, you see people's self esteem, you see people's comfort interacting with others, you see people's fear of judgment. All of these things come out of like let someone partner up with someone else and creatively move together, and you see a lot about how their whole. You just see a lot about people. Yeah. And I think getting them to play more trickles into all those other things, right? They're, they're, they have improved self-esteem. Their confidence goes up by just being able to express themselves they without being... Problem better. So everything. The main point is that like what we talked about throughout this whole podcast and how it's so important for our development as humans doesn't just stop. There's not some... I think it's like there's some arbitrary point we think of is like, oh, we're developed. No, like the development can continue through your entire life. Mm -hmm. You can get better at problem solving. You can get better at moving. You can get better at all these things if you keep doing the things that got you there in the first place, yep. which play is a big reason that, that, that you got there in the first place. So play is applicable to you at all stages of life. Um, and I think it's, yeah, like you say, it's very missing, missing element of today. When we, some of the people that enjoy the play sections of the seminar the most are actually the older people, the 70 year olds that come in and it's like you get them playing and give them some guidelines, loose guidelines on how to play this like physical part game that they do in partners. And you look over and they're smile, they're having the best time. It's like you just reconnected them with this long lost friend that they completely forgot about called play. And now they're given the opportunity to just be like, this is amazing. Yeah. Right. Like, why don't we, we almost need like a play gang that just goes into retirement homes and plays games with all these people. Cause not only is it going to get them moving and get them, their brains kind of lit up in the physical centers, but also the creative centers, it builds rapport. It brings joy to people's lives. Like we need and more physical of this play stuff. too. Physical play. Very a lot important. of adult, uh, older adults will go the route, which is good too. Um, I'm not saying, uh, 
it's not good but they'll they'll go the route of like uh cognitive games uh solely playing cognitive games yeah, like, like crosswords or... and so and it's like and the, but then they're sitting on their asses the whole time doing it yeah. so um play twister no there's different <laughs> there's if you can if you can get the same and that's what all the studies are showing too is like you're you're getting the same benefits of doing you're doubling up on the benefits you're stacking things as well if you're just actually doing a game that's still stimulating your brain but you're actually moving and not just sitting when you're doing it so uh, there's something to be said about that too i agree and like well briefly we kind of talked about it before but the work play continuum so you have this line at one end you have work at the other end you have play it's like this long continuum and i think there's a place for both ends right like I don't know about you, but sometimes I just like getting on the erg and destroying myself for 15 minutes and just going to a very deep place of like suck, suckiness, because I know the benefits I'm going to get out of it, whether that's like pushing yourself mentally or getting your heart rate up or get just sweating every ounce of fluid out of your body. So there's a place for that. But at the other end of the spectrum is play where you're juggling, where you're balancing, you're slacklining, you're dancing, whatever it might be. And I think a lot of people think that it has to be black and white. It's like, you tell people to play more and they're like, well, I still want to work out. Like literally we've put the word work into our physical, into what we consider to be a physical practice. And it's not that you have to do one or the other. It's that you have to find a balance along that continuum because if going to the gym and training is boring and you're having trouble maintaining a motivation to go, it probably means you don't have enough play in your movement practice. And you don't have to only play, but you have to balance the two and find a place that works for you so that you actually want to move because movement should be intrinsically enjoyable. If it's not, you're not doing the right stuff. Yeah, you can combine them into one or you can combine them in terms of doing sometimes doing more work oriented stuff and then sometimes doing more play stuff. Or you can, like I said, mix the two two. where you're getting a good workout in by doing something that you're also playing in. Or you can do all of that combined, which is kind of the ideal. And I think the stress and the seriousness of modern day life kind of squeezes play out of people. Yeah. Like it's just, it literally just gets deprioritized. And it's kind of counterintuitive because by playing more, you actually lighten up the load of stress quite a bit, right? We have all the... It's like a de-stressing mechanism. It's weird because we're in a perfect situation to have... The 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 grand theory is that as the world becomes more economically steady and everyone's doing better, we'll have more leisure time and free time. But it's actually becoming the opposite where we're having to... It's almost like we're in a perfect situation where nobody's going to be like eaten by things anymore or like... Yeah. Um, we're like in the we're safest time at that ever. point for the most part. <laughs> so it should be that we have the most opportunity to play these days, but it's, it's just, it's the opposite. It's weird. Yeah. yeah we've just added more work, like work, yeah. whether that's actual work that you do to make money um, or just like emails. Like if you did an hour less of emails per week and played an hour and, pl- and replaced that with play, I just think your life would be so much better. Um, and that's what like, cause when you, t- and when you talk about play, like a lot of people are, are bought in, you t- say a few things about play and they're like, Oh sweet. I am going to play more. How the hell do I play? Yeah. And so giving people options, like, um, I just, we created a new tag in the app where we're going to post play videos, whether that's partner drills, whether that's individual, uh, movement tasks based drills that you can just do that are playful. It can be juggling. It can be balancing. It can be crawling. You know, Liv did this thing the other day where she stood on one leg and took the lacrosse ball with the other foot and did circles. Like that's a playful drill that can like, it can literally be one minute long and it can be a mental reset and also make you explore. It does so many things. Yeah. And I think some people, you know, you might show a play drill and people might say, Oh, what does that do? Well, it's like, okay, I can list a few things, but this does way more than I can even describe because yeah. mentally, physically, cognitively it does so many things yeah right and i think that's part of it i think 
I think play is a nice uh, one reason I like play is because it it reinforces the fact that we don't really know that much about the body. We don't know that much about the brain. We're insanely complex systems that are loaded with so many variables. And I think play versus like trying to isolate and measure all these individual variables, which you're never going to do because there's just too many and they interact with each other too much, right? Play is a way to essentially without having to get bogged down in the boring minutia of measuring and reassessing where you can essentially just give people back the ability to like play, tinker, it's, trial it's and error. selections approach. It's yeah. the natural approach. So maybe let's finish off with adults and play. Like, Well, we basically just yeah, we talked, about, talked about that. Yeah, so it's like everything we've talked about. I think all the play research is on kids or most of the play research is on kids. But we're it, kids are humans and, and it's mm -hmm. just expanding that out to to adults is just an obvious thing that you can uh well we, you can do and we even talked about before like play is an extremely powerful tool for solving movement problems and for yeah. a kid for jackson that's trying to get a fork into his mouth hole um, but for an adult the movement problem might be i want to run a marathon i want to recover from a knee injury i want to put on muscle i want to be a better soccer player whatever it is those are all movement problems and these complex movement challenges have a lot of variables that can be solved in an unlimited amount of ways and to do them effectively require exploration from the mm -hmm. individual. So you can apply play to all, basically any movement problem or any problem in general, right? It's like some of the best scientists didn't discover, didn't make Eureka discoveries by like systematically going through a process. They just messed around and they're like, yeah. oh shit, that was interesting. And that's like some of the biggest Eureka moments like Edison or Einstein. It was like a lot of it is just creativity, bringing creativity back into problem solving, whether that's um, a physical problem or a social problem. Like I'm having problems with the relationship with this person, you know, like tinkering and trying different approaches, all that kind of stuff. I just think like this whole attitude of play where it's creative, it's intrinsically motivating when it comes to physical play, but also just like understanding the broad concepts of play allows you to apply them in different ways in your whole life and mm -hmm. just live a more playful life. Don't take yourself so seriously. Find opportunities to do, to like kind of do fun stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it's important I, for your health and sure. and livelihood. Everything, your mood, your physical health, right? Like when someone, even just like someone with back pain, they need to, and I think part of it is, you know, the disempowering nature of our medical system where you have this you need to do this this and this yeah whereas part of it would be you have so this rigid. well this might be why that's there but how about you try a bunch of these different things and let me know how that feels or if it feels good keep doing it like we just don't we're not giving people the permission to be creative with tinkering with their bodies anymore no. like at optimize you do like you give sure. people a lot of control um or a lot of ability to be their own kind of troubleshooting leader um, but I just think in general, you know, there's not always one, anyone that tells you there's only one specific way of solving a problem when it comes to the human body probably doesn't understand the complexities of the human body. No, exactly. So beware. That, <laughs> exactly. Anyway, we hope that that opens up your eyes to a different, I guess, concept of what play is. And, um, like I said, we'll be putting more and more play drills, whether it's partner drills or individual play tasks, uh, within TFC app in the form of videos. Um, and hopefully this, yeah, gives you just a new perspective. Um, play isn't just for kids, so play more and you'll get more out of your life. Catch you next week.